You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. All right, we're going to take a look at another growing pain this week. And this one has to do with when you grow, how easy it is for people to slip through the cracks. The more people there are, the easier it is for people to kind of slip by you and go unnoticed. And we don't want that to happen. If people don't connect with other believers in the context of biblical communities, there's a good possibility that they will just slip through the cracks. That's why these communities are so important. They're like Velcro. They help people stick in there. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard somebody standing up here in a place like this, somewhere else, and you heard them talk about how important community is. They probably said something like, it's good for you. And it is. And they probably told you all of these spiritual reasons why it's good for you. But there's actually science behind it now. They've been researching this for for quite a while. And the science says the community is good. There's actually a journal, a scientific journal called the Journal of Happiness Studies. I bet that's a fun place to work, don't you think? The Journal of Happiness Studies. It's published by a group of psychologists who who have been studying what makes people's experience what makes people experience joy and happiness? And the one factor that distinguishes happy people is the presence of deep and meaningful relationships. Harvard professor Robert Putnam summarized the research this way. He said the single most common finding from a half a century's research on life, on life satisfaction, not only from the U.S., but around the world, is That happiness is best predicted by the breadth and depth of one's social connections. And I think that's been really true in my life. I am my life is much fuller when I have deep and meaningful relationships in it. And that's probably true for most of you. But I wonder if you've ever gone into a new place, a new environment, maybe a new job or a new school. And you wondered, you had that knot in your stomach, and you wondered, is anybody going to be my friend here? Am I going to find a friend? The first time I can recall that happening in my life was when I went to first grade. It was Mrs. Booman's class, my first grade teacher at East Elementary in Ankeny, Iowa. And I was nervous. I don't remember all of the details about it, but I, I do remember wondering, Who's going to be my friend? We all wonder that when we go into those new environments, don't we? And it was not long after I was in that class that I met Kent Schwitters. Kent Schwitters was uh, my best friend in elementary from that point forward until his parents ruined everything and moved away. Mrs. Booman said that if he hadn't moved away, we both would have gone to prison. So maybe it was good. (laughs) Maybe it was good. But he, he, meeting Kent and our friendship, it transformed first grade for me because I had a friend. Gallup claims that one of the strongest predictors of job satisfaction in the workplace is having a best friend at work. Who's going to be my friend? The reason we ask this question is because community is good for us. We were made for it. 
If you've been in church, you not only have heard someone say the community is good for you, but you've probably heard them say it's a God thing. And the reason they say that is because God designed community. We see that in, in Genesis, the second chapter. Listen what, it, what uh, the verse says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Everything that was created was considered good, but there was one caveat here, and that was that Adam was alone. He was suffering from isolation, loneliness. And so God created Eve, and the two became uh, the first relationship. They formed the first community, the first family. God made us for community. Otherwise, we're alone. Now, here's the thing about this, though. Just because you're with people doesn't mean you're in community. Just because you're here this morning doesn't mean that you're connected to anybody. Just because you're with people, just because you have lots of connections in your life, just because you may have 10,000 friends on Facebook doesn't mean that you're actually in community. But you need to be. You were made for it. You need it in your life. Here's the key point of this message this morning. The key point is, life is better in community. Life is better in community. Community is a good thing. And God created us for it. But it can be a very elusive thing. It can be a very elusive thing. So we need to be intentional. We need to have a strategy to get connected where it really matters. I want to talk this morning about connecting in biblical community. And I want to make it real practical so that not one person, not one person who's here or who will join us over the course of the next several months will slip through the, cl- slip through the cracks. So there's four questions that I want us to probe this morning about community. The first question is this. How do I find community? How do I find that? Let me give you the first step to this. The very first step to finding community is always take the initiative. Always take the initiative. Jesus said it this way. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you're not in community, you need to take a step to get into it. Now, let me give you a little bit of practical kind of how-to around here. If you're new here, probably the first thing that you should do is take a step by showing up at our next step class. We'll talk more about it at the end of this, uh, the message, but the next step class is just a place where it's kind of, we give you a general overview of why we do what we do here, what we're about, and then we also try to get people connected. And that's a really great place to start. It gives you an overview of what we're about, and also there's some tangible ways to get connected. There's, a, there's some other ways to get connected as well. Maybe you just need to sign up for a life group. Or join one of these uh, Sunday morning classes or a Bible study uh, through women's ministry or the men's study on Saturday morning. Or we're starting in September, our Wednesday night connection classes. You could, you could show up and join one of those. Maybe it's simply introducing yourself to three people you do not know this morning before you leave here. And for those of you who are introverts, you just had a little stroke when I said that. You can introduce yourself to just one person and then run away, okay? And we'll understand. We'll understand. Here's the thing. Your experience at Northeast is going to be based more on your initiative than it is going to be on the quality of our programs 
or our services. So take the initiative to get connected. Now, if you've been around here for a while and you're connected, I want to encourage you to take the initiative to help others get connected. Reach out to them. Look around and say, hey, maybe that person needs a a place to land and invite them to join you. One of our greeters told me a story a couple, it's probably been a little over a year ago, about this senior adult couple that she got to know while greeting before the service that she, she greets at. She doesn't greet every Sunday, so she would see him at the door, but then later she found where they sat in the auditorium. And so what she did was she would always kind of check on him. She would go by there and greet him, and she was kind of making, you know, this friendship with them. And then one Sunday she was greeting, she noticed they didn't come in. And the next Sunday she noticed they weren't sitting where they normally sit. And then the third Sunday they didn't show up again. And so she started asking around, do you know these couples? She didn't know She didn't know their names. All she knew was his last name because it was embroidered on the back of his belt. Okay? She went on this quest to find out. And what what she realized, she told me, was that nobody knew who these people were. Nobody. And so the next Sunday, she became kind of worried about them. And the next Sunday, they showed up. And she realized that this couple would kind of slip in unbeknownst to everyone else and slip out and the majority of people here didn't know her know them but that one that one guest services greeter she did and so when they showed up they explained to her that they'd been ill and she said well I need to get your contact information and here's my card she said I don't ever want to not be able to get to get in contact with you if I need to and so they gladly shared their information and do you know that since that happened, over the last year or so, they've probably had dinner in that greeter's home probably two or three different times. He, the guy with the embroidered belt, he had surgery uh, about a month or so ago. And she took, this greeter took a blueberry pie over to his house to help him recuperate. I mentioned to her, my back had been hurting too. You know, a pie might really help me. Here's, just like this lady did. Take the initiative to help others get connected. Maybe for some of you, you could just take initiative to get to know the people who you sit by every Sunday. You know, there's some typical people who you see every single week. They're the people you shake hands with during fellowship time. What if you were to exchange information and you just checked on each other? Maybe had had dinner or lunch after the service was over. The Holy Spirit will give you a nudge from time to time. Just just giving you that nudge that you need to call someone just to see how things are going. Follow that nudging. Take the initiative. Don't let anyone slip through the cracks. All right, the second question we want to probe is, how do I build community? And once I find it, how do I build it? How can I, how can I add to it? Too often, we approach this whole community issue from a selfish posture. We approach community with questions like, what can I get out of this? What can these people do for me? How will this community meet my needs? Do these people look like the kind of people I want to be friends with? When we do this, we turn community into a commodity. It's it's then that community becomes something that we want to use, we want to consume, we want to store it for ourselves or help us feel better about ourselves, and that kills community. It kills it. 
Our attitude needs to shift. It needs to go from what can I get out of this and we need to, we need to shift it to what can I give to this. It's simple, but it can be a life-changing pivot. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book Life Together, writes about how we can build community. Listen to what he says. He said, the first service one owes to others in fellowship consists in listening to them. The first, the first service that we can give someone is to listen to them. Build community by listening. The first thing we're supposed to do, the main priority we bring at the beginning of every relationship is to listen to others. Focus on someone else's story. Listen to their questions. Listen to their needs. Now, I have to be very honest with you. For me, I have to be very, very intentional about listening to others because that's not the way I'm wired up. I like to talk. I have a head full of ideas. I got a lot of stories that I want to tell. I love to make people laugh. I have to be very intentional at listening to people. I wonder if you've ever been around a Christian who loves to hear themselves talk. I was in a group once, and there was a guy who always had something to say about Scripture, about the Bible, about politics, you name it, sports, whatever. He always had something to say, and to the point that no one else seemed to ever be able to get a word in edgewise. Everybody in the group was annoyed with this guy, and finally, finally, the group leader took charge and told me I needed to shut up. (laughs) Bonhoeffer says this, Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking when they should be listening. I have a friend. His name is David Scaff. He's a minister who preaches in Clark County. And he calls me probably every three to five weeks. And the conversation is very, very simple. He has no agenda except... He's calling to find out how I'm doing. Every call, it's the same. We, he asked me a few questions on the front end of the call. We have some really good conversation. We laugh a lot during the call. And then at the end, he says, I love you, man. I'm praying for you. I can honestly tell you, he's, he's more interested in my life than he is his own. Everybody needs a friend like that. The writer of Proverbs says, let the wise listen. Let the wise listen. Now, you you may be thinking, okay, okay, I'll listen, I'll listen. But is there anything in this for me? And here's here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for you in community, especially for those of you that might struggle with getting connected in community. You need to ask questions in your community. Get to know people. Remember their stories. Remember their stories so well that the next time you see them, you can ask them about specifics from their story. And if you do that, then you will find that there will be people in your life who want to listen to you. They want to know your stories. They will walk with you when you're, in, when you're going through difficult times, when you're facing struggles. How do we build community? It starts by listening listening. Now the third question that we want to probe about community is how do I grow my community deeper? How do I grow my community deeper? One of the most common statements you hear as a minister is, 
I want to go deep. I want to grow deeper. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, if you want depth in your community, it starts with being helpful. Show up, even when it seems insignificant. Someone needs a ride to the airport. Give them a ride. Somebody needs a last-second favor. Help them out. Somebody needs a babysitter. Get one of your kids to go over and watch their kids. (laughs) The way we bring depth into community is not by studying deeper topics, though there's nothing wrong with that. The way we bring depth is by showing up and helping out. We saw the best example of this here at uh, Northeast probably three weeks or so ago. We have a couple in our church, and their names are Melissa and Ryan Passage. Melissa is a young wife and mom, and on one Sunday morning, she got up and she, she stumbled and fell, breaking both of her feet. It was just kind of a freak thing, but she ended up breaking both of her feet. Ryan got the kids ready, brought them to church, explained to our children's staff what was going on. They were awesome over there. They said, hey, if you need to leave the kids, we'll handle it, take care of it. And he took uh, Melissa on to the emergency room. It was then they found out that her feet were both broken. And what you need to know about this couple is for a long time, they've been connected with one of our Sunday morning groups called The Journeys. One of the leaders called them later that day and said, we're bringing a meal over and indicated that The Journeys would be helping them out over the course of the next several months. One of, uh, one of the things they told them that they would be doing is they already had signups for people to bring meals for five or six weeks. I'm joining that class today. <laughs> How amazing is that? Well, later in the week after Melissa's fall, a guy shows up at their house just to mow their lawn. He knew that they need it. It would be helpful. The journeys is helping them through this difficult time. The passages never ask for any help, but they didn't need to. Their class just sprang into action like they always do. You see, it's not the first time that this community has done this. In fact, Ryan and Melissa have been on the other end. They were part of the meal train, taking food to people who were having a need. And now they're the focus. And I talked to them last Sunday. They said they're just blown away by it. Blown away. Here's the thing, though. Here's the problem. We live in a culture where we worship time. Our time is incredibly valuable to us. Our time is so important. We feel it's so costly just to give up a few moments of time. But the greater cost comes when we aren't willing to give up that short investment of time to be there, to be helpful. Not showing up, not helping out in the long run will cost us in the loss of community. King Solomon paints the picture this way. Listen to what he says. In Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. He says that when, we're, when we help out, we're actually more efficient. Well, he goes on and he says this, If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I promise you, Melissa Passage would tell you this morning, it really does matter that there are people there who will help you up. So here's the question. Who will be there to help you up when trouble comes your way? Because it will. Maybe, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but sometime it will. And when trouble comes, you don't just need people who are there. You need people who are already there. 
They already know you. They already are in your life. You already have a relationship with them. You already trust them. When trouble comes, you may not know what you need. You may not be able to ask for it. And there is no app. As great as our app is, it doesn't facilitate this. You can't download anything to just provide it for you instantly. Helping one another is how we grow roots of deep community. All right, the fourth question that we want to probe is how do I keep community going? If you're part of a community and it's working well and you love it, you have to ask the question, how do we keep this thing going? It's easy in our culture to assume that you sustain relationships primarily with people with whom you have something in common with. It seems to make sense, right? Things like, we like the same sports or the same sports teams, or we like the same kind of movies or books or activities, or people, we, we like to hang out with people who are in a similar, similar station of life, or our kids are at the same age. But, there, but here's the thing. Common interests don't hold community together. It's a great way of starting community, but it won't hold it together. You know what does? Forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness keeps community going. Again, it sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Common interests, having that sense that it's easy to connect, doesn't actually hold community together. It's what we do when someone hurts us. It's how we respond when there's tension or brokenness. Forgiveness is what creates sustainable community. So how many of you in here have a person in your life that you don't like? Don't look at them right now. Don't look, okay? Don't look. One of the greatest, one of the great areas that Christians tend to be weak in is in dealing with relationships when there's tension or frustration. Why is it so hard to have a loving but truthful conversation? Why is it so difficult to have a loving but truthful confrontation? We tend to avoid it, don't we? It's hard. Someone hurts your feelings. Someone lets you down. Someone talks about you behind your back. Someone betrays your trust. And in that moment, you think, my community is shot. It's broken. And we want to take a step back. We just want to back away from the whole thing. And then you start to see this divide is happening. You're trying to protect yourself, but it's only creating a distance here that starts to grow. And it's in that moment that we believe deep down that because of that sin or that action that someone else took, community is being ruined. But it's not. It's actually the opportunity for it to keep going. In this tension, in this frustration, in this, in this moment, the door is open for community to grow. The very moment you think community is broken can be the moment community is finally being built in a deep way, in a significant growth kind of way. The only way to sustain community, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, a family, or a life group, or some other group, is through forgiveness, through carrying the burden of someone else's sin and forgiving it. Now, why does that work? Why do we know that that works? Because this is what God did for us. This is what he did for you. This is what he did for me. 
This is what God has modeled for each of us. He didn't let your sin create distance or separation and just leave it there. He submitted a solution. He sent Jesus to repair the fracture. Look what Paul says to the Colossians in Colossians, the third chapter. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Is there anything that you could do that God would not be able to forgive? No, there isn't. Is there anything anyone else could do to you that you couldn't forgive? Now, maybe on your own accord you couldn't, but with God's help? No, there isn't. Not by your strength and not by your determination, not by your willpower, but because you've experienced the community God has offered you through his forgiveness in your life, you're able to forgive others as well. So let's forgive. God did it. It keeps community going forward. Let's show genuine forgiveness when someone hurts us or offends us. Now, having said all of that, We've probed this topic of community so far this morning pretty well. Now it's time to take some action and get connected. This is the, this is the stretching part of the message. The first thing I want to talk to you about is if you're new here and you have never, I mean, you, you're, you've, you just come in here, you haven't gone to any of these other places, any of these other rooms, you haven't done anything else, that's welcome. Hey, we're glad you're here, okay? And we welcome you checking us out. But here's the thing. I want to challenge you to take a step towards community by taking our next step class. Now, this is a picture of our, of our web, main web page. And if you go over here all the way to the left, you'll see a button that says new here, question mark. And you click on that, you'll see a drop down. And there will be a box that shows up that says next step. That is the next step class. And I mentioned to you what it's about. It's all about kind of an overview of what Northeast is here for. And then a goal, our goal is to help you get connected here. And that's a great place to start. That class happens on the last Sunday, normally the last Sunday of the month during this hour. So you could, you could come the first hour and then come to the next step class. I want to encourage you to do that. It's a great class. A lot of people have found that connection. The second thing is this. If you've been around here a while and you've been through Next Step, you've done that, but you're still only coming in here, the step for you is to find one of these communities that I've been talking about and start participating in it. A great way to do that is you see this button right here. It says connect, and you can see the drop-down. You can't probably read these, these things, but there are a number of headings here for different groups, different types of groups. And you can check and see. We, a size 7 doesn't fit everybody. We recognize that. So there's a lot of variety here, a lot of differ, differentiation. All the same Bible, all the same Jesus, but just different groupings. Check out one of those groups and start Start participating in it. Okay, the third thing that I want to challenge you on is some of you have been here for a long time, been here a short time, but you got involved right away, and you've been connected in a community for a while. I want to challenge you to take a step to lead a group, a lead a group. Now, Todd mentioned that this Wednesday we're starting discipleship training. That's a great way to connect. There may be other areas. You may, be, you may want to lead a, uh, a life group, or you may be 
interested in leading a Bible study, whatever the case is, take that step. Take that initiative. You can also contact us through the, the, uh, through the uh, Connect card on here. Let me talk to you about this real, real quickly here. Number four. Take this last piece off. You did great last week. Uh, my administrative assistant, Jessica, spent till 1.30 logging in all these cards that you all filled out. That is awesome. It's job security for her. She really appreciates that, okay? That should be a habit every one of us do every week. Just set that as part of coming here. Fill this out. Drop it in the, in the uh, offering bag later on. But on the back side, you fill the front side out. Doesn't help us much if you don't fill that out. And on the other side, there's a box here that says, Get Connected in Community. You may, you may be going, hey, I, I get all this. I hear all this stuff you're saying. I just need to talk to a real person, try to figure this out. If you fill this out, you check that box. Somebody will call you this week to try to help you find that connection. Or maybe you're interested in leading a group, but you're not really sure where the best, greatest need is or what you can do there. Uh, this is a great way to get that uh, ball rolling as well. Please fill that out and check that box if that's necessary. A lot of these things you can do on the website, okay? And uh, we want to make it as simple and easy as possible. So let's take that step to get connected. I don't know what the story is that you bring in this morning. I don't know what most of your stories are because I don't know most of you that well. Some of you come in here and there's a struggle. Some of you come in here and you're dealing with pain. What I do know is this. You don't have to do it alone. That's what community, that's one of the facets of community is so important, is that you're never alone. I don't know which person comes to your mind when I say, who's that, that man or that woman that you don't like? But I, I do know that today might be the day that... Um, You decide, hey, I need to forgive them. Quit drinking the poison of bitterness, hoping that something bad happens to them. I'm not saying that what they did was okay or what it was it was right, it probably wasn't. But if you can forgive them, you can bring healing in your own life, but also in the community that you're a part of. I know that sense of wondering, will I belong there? Am I gonna fit? Will I find a friend? Will people like me? Will they include me? You may be wondering that this morning about this place. I assure you that you will fit here. We have some of the most jacked up people in Lexington that come to church here. I can't imagine you'd be more jacked up than they are. But if you are, we'll just add you to this unique collection. We're all flawed people. We all need Jesus. We all need him. I know you'll fit here. I also know that there is a God who did not leave us to be lonely. He created us for community. We anticipate there's going to be a lot of people show up here this fall. And we're just trying to set things in place and prepare for that. I want to encourage you to take a step to connect because I do not want you to slip through the cracks. Because if if you don't connect now, there's a real possibility others come you could easily drift away. And that is the last thing we want. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here. So will you take that step? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for creating us for community. 
We're grateful, God, that you did not want any one of us to be alone. So we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that you will help those who are here who are not connected yet, who just checking this place out, or maybe they've been kind of shy or maybe even nervous or, or afraid that they wouldn't be accepted. I pray, God, that we've answered a lot of those questions this morning that you will, you will give them the courage they need to take this next step and get connected. I pray, God, you'll put someone in their path who invites them, calls them, and says, hey, why don't you be part of what we're doing over here? Lord, the most important connection that every one of us needs to make is that connection in a relationship with you. We thank you that Jesus died for us. We're grateful, God, for that incredible sacrifice he made so that you might bridge the separation that our sin caused. God, we praise you for that. And I pray for anyone here who hasn't taken that step yet, that today they would take that the most important step of all to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Thank you, Lord. We pray in his precious name. Amen. We're going to sing and just worship the Lord now. And I want to invite you, if, if you've never taken that step to accept Jesus, naming him as your Lord and Savior, you want your sins washed away, I want to invite you to come. There'll be a number of us down front here. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you say, hey, I want to be part of what God is doing here at Northeast. I'm already a follower of Jesus. I want to take the step to become what we call an owner around here. And so we want to invite you to do that. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. This has been a rough week. Maybe it's been a rough month. Maybe much longer than that. But we'll be down front. Whatever your need is, will you come? Let's stand together and let's worship the King of Kings.